This week, Epic and Apple are ramping up tensions, Comcast is extending its data cap deadline, and Facebook is proving it's serious in Australia. It's Sunday, February 21st, 2021, and this is episode 588 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, or of course on our website, pluggitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you have the ability to chat with us in the studio and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you can't do that, you can always go to pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Pluckits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, find all the ways that you can watch, listen, and follow along. Avram, how are you doing this week? Oh, not bad. Not bad. I feel like the week went by so fast I didn't really get much done. Uh, but And I just keep chasing. I feel like the Captain Ahab of like of like Circuit Python or something because uh, I've been spending a lot of time because I told my son I tried to do it, trying to be the first person that we know of to get uh, to get a Raspberry Pi Pico, the new microcontroller board for those who haven't been following, uh, to to be a Nintendo Switch controller. Right. Um, and I haven't. I've tried a lot of things, and I haven't been able to do it uh, with the Pico. We have with other things. So uh, just yesterday, my son and I were using a regular Raspberry Pi uh, with a, another microcontroller board called the Trinket. And we're able to control the the switch using the trinket okay. uh, over USB. And then today, uh, we just found a new Bluetooth library that allows us over Bluetooth on a Raspberry Pi to control the switch to act as a switch controller wirelessly. But uh, but using the Pico, which does not have Bluetooth. Um, uh, over USB, we have not been able to do yet. Now, the, the reason why this is somewhat interesting and you can do other stuff is you can take the Pico using uh, Circuit using CircuitPython. It, it, it runs MicroPython, it runs uh, C, uh, C, C++, and it also runs CircuitPython, which is um, a special version of Python from the Adafruit company. Anyway, not to, not to uh, belabor the point for people who are not familiar with all the programming languages, the point is you can make it pretend to be a peripheral. So um, I already can make it pretend to be a keyboard. So okay. imagine you taking taking something like this, which we were playing with, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, you've got a bunch of buttons on it, you got a joystick hanging off, and you take those buttons and not only could you make them actually act as a controller, you could make them act as keyboard keys. So to do macros and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's say I always want to do a particular thing in a game. 
like Minecraft, there's some command. I can hit program it so I can hit the red button here on this. Mind you that this is plugged into my computer and my computer could see it as a controller. My computer could see it as a mouse or my computer could see it as a keyboard. Um, so okay. that's, uh, so that's, but the Nintendo switch is much pickier than, um, than a PC is it's definitely so a special beast. That's been the, that's been, that's been the challenge is getting it to recognize as a, as a switch controller. But along the way, we learned a bunch of things and we just learned to do it in Bluetooth suggests maybe we don't even bother with this project, although we want to, to do it. And, uh, and we start to we start to create a wireless controller, um, but anyway, that's uh, those are the things my eight year old son and I work on. You know, he 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 figured out the Bluetooth thing while I was watching his two year old sister. We uh, I gave I pointed him to the library and he went and he installed it and and all that stuff. Nice. And he's sitting over here showing me that like he had the terminal open and he's typing like left and it moves the joystick left moves the yeah. thing left on the switch and nice. up and it moves it up. So, uh, so, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, it's not like, it's not cause we couldn't afford to buy a wireless controller for the switch or, or we don't have one, Sure, you know, it's cause it's to do it. Right. Um, and I don't know if I pointed this out last week, but there's a site called, I think I did point it out last week. There's a site called surrogate.tv where you can actually, uh, use their software to put yeah. make your switch available remotely over the internet so you or maybe somebody else even could uh remote control it yeah that's and we talked about uh uh twitch plays pokemon which was which was done yeah. with a very similar thing based on the comments in the twitch chat you could vote to turn left yeah. or move forward and that was, <laughs> that was ridiculous I, to watch. i'm just kind of it was more fun. Overall Honestly, fast. it was more fun to watch yeah. the fish play Pokemon, whereas it swam around in its tank, it would move left and right. And <laughs> oh, one of my favorite things I've ever what a waste of time to watch. And it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I just love the idea of, of just like creating my own input devices. I think it's kind of kind of fun because you you're kind of hacking something that normally you go to the store and you buy a keyboard or you buy mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a controller and it's like, it's kind of a, like, I don't know how this thing works, but um, so it's kind of cool. I mean, the other thing that I was just falling down the rabbit hole of this week, and I guarantee at some point I'm going to do this project is, and it's not a Raspberry Pi project. I really want to build my own keyboard. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people who are in that enthusiast community where they buy this is expensive. They buy like four or $500 worth of parts mm -hmm. and they put together a custom keyboard with whatever key switches they want and keycaps they want right. and things like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting that you're going through this, uh, this Nintendo switch project. Cause I don't know why I hadn't thought of this until just now. <laughs> uh, many years ago. And by that, I mean like, Oh my God, 20 years ago. Um, uh, a couple friends and I built a, uh, a DDR pad, a full size, like pixel perfect uh, DDR pad, and then we wired it up into uh, into a PlayStation controller so that we could use it on the PlayStation, and then use the PlayStation USB adapter to uh, 
to use it as a custom peripheral into the computer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's just fun to be able to like you know to hack the system. Like you mm -hmm. know, the switch wasn't expecting me. <laughs> you know. Well, that's true. The the switch certainly wasn't right? expecting you. <laughs> I was expecting, you know, was expecting professional stuff like this. It wasn't, right. uh, you know, it wasn't expecting, you know, some wires that I slapped together. So it was expecting Nyko to do something, but maybe not so much you. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Well, I am enjoying this project from a distance. I cannot wait to see to see how it goes, but. We've got a lot of stuff to get to tonight, so yeah. let's get down to some news. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, Xbox games, or a whole lot more, you can find them all at the Microsoft Store. And remember that if you're a student, parent, faculty, or active military, you can get up to 10% off on almost everything. You can find out about those discounts, all the sales that are going on, and a whole lot more by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. I'm going to apologize up front. If you see me futzing with my ears tonight, it's because I've got some new in-ear monitors that I'm testing out and uh i don't think i have the right ear tips in <laughs> anyway so last week we talked about uh maryland and their interesting new challenge on um the world uh they have uh, implemented a new tax on digital ad sales i think it was last week right maybe it was two weeks ago i don't know yeah i think it was last week we discussed okay excellent um one of the things that that we said during during the show was that there was no way that this would not be contested nearly immediately. And we were right. <laughs> Just like when uh, the internet sales tax went into effect, um, it was contested by, by uh, tech groups, particularly uh, uh, digital retailers. Uh, this has been contested as well. Um, a, a collection of tech groups representing a lot of companies uh, filed suit against Maryland, claiming, uh, among other things, that it is deeply flawed and, my favorite, illegal in myriad ways. <laughs> Which is a fascinating uh, set of words to use in a legal document. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we'll find out. I mean, it certainly doesn't... I mean, having gone over this when we talked about this last week, I mean, the tax is supposed to apply if you have to how many people in the state saw the ad mm -hmm. versus the transaction of buying the ad, which I guess if you think about it is a little bit odd. Well, more than a little bit odd because an ad is nothing more than a commercial, an ad on the internet is nothing more than a commercial and digital format. Sure. Right. Whether it's a video or not. If I watch a national network and they're playing an ad, like I watch the Super Bowl and there's a nationally sold ad there, my local state doesn't get a cut of that ad revenue unless, of course, the transaction took, unless, of course, 
the company that sold the ad or is is in the state it seems like the normal way to handle this is through sales tax on on buying the ads which i don't know is there sales tax on buying an ad i do not believe so i mean that's a service you pay you normally pay sales tax on services right so so now granted maryland probably wouldn't be seeing a lot of that revenue but it, it might see some if there's a maryland-based business that buys it then they would be paying the sales tax but if i'm a new york-based business i buy an ad from uh, from google whose home base i believe is california then they're not getting any money out of it if a viewer in maryland sees it but you know kind of too bad because i mean unless you know money comes from a federal sales tax or something because it, it's just it's just weird to go by where the person is right that's it's also another thing that's really inherently very flawed and hard to track because yeah. what about people who are on vpn mm -hmm. yeah and that was one of the things we talked about last week is is a the 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 reporting would have to be self-reporting uh because right only google facebook amazon only they know who they're serving ads to um that no, nobody else has that information it's not like uh it, it's not like um uh what's the oh the the company that does uh television watch statistics nielsen 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 i had an s in my head it's not like nielsen is you know independently verifying viewership numbers on on digital ads right that's it would have to be self-reported which would be a weird starting point and the whole of the internet is going vpn for so many reasons everybody's mad at big tech right now and vpn to the way a lot of right. people I are mean, dealing with it I, so I, there's so many issues here so i understand what they're going if, if this i understand what they're going after i under I, I i understand the revenue that they're looking for but it's just such a it, Flawed, yes. Illegal, I don't know. But definitely, the system definitely has flaws inherent in it. It also it also is a little weird, and I like strategically it makes sense, and it it certainly is more fair, right? But they are limiting this to companies only with a certain amount of revenue, right? So it is that is an area where it's interesting. Can you have a law that discriminates? Like, it's not an income tax. It's not like, oh, if you make above this level, we're charging you income tax on it. It's a it's a tax, but it's only being applied to companies that have a certain amount of, of revenue. On advertising. And then the other thing is, the other thing is, you, how do you, like, there could be all kinds of people who are outside your jurisdiction as well. Well, first of all, there's an interesting question as to whether like Google would be within the jurisdiction of Maryland. Like, what are they going to do? How are you going to collect? Right. Like if I don't, I mean, unless Google has an office there or something like, what are you going to do to them? Right. Now, let me put this to you in a completely other way. The, the web, the worldwide web is international. Right. 
So if I go and I view an ad, if I go and visit a British website that it, from Maryland, are they are they going to try to collect from a British company? Like, I mean, interesting. It the logistics of it are, and and like, if you're not in a state, how are you to know that you're that the laws? apply to you like it, it sounds so it does sound like it would be applied very unevenly because True. how are you going to inform people like obviously google and facebook it's very easy to inform them right hello google facebook the state of maryland is calling and we want to tell you that there's now a new tax right but like even the you even know the big ad networks uh link share uh uh in in something with an eye i <laughs> uh impact uh, used to be impact radius, you know, they're, they're all going to be falling under, under this revenue number. And so it would be easy to contact them, but you know, where does, uh, where does the daily wire fit in? Right. Do they, do they fit into the number? Are they selling enough ads for all of their shows in the number to fall in? And if so, how do you know, unless they self-report? And also, also, if it becomes a problem, it's a very easy situation to rectify when it's only Maryland, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, okay. Am I in trouble if I show this amount of... Also, how are you measuring my revenue? That's another... I mean, I, don't, I haven't read the exact text, but how are they going to decide what the revenue is for this? So, like, Google is a publicly traded company, so we have a sense of their revenue, but on right. the other hand... Are they going? Are they going to specifically drill down into ad revenue, or is it all the money that is it all the money that Google makes from anything, or is it all the money that your company makes from anything? Is all that revenue, like no, it's just ad revenue. It, there's a okay, and the other thing though is it'd be very easy to avoid this. Oh, okay, if this is going to be a problem, I'm not going to run ads in Maryland. Mm -hmm. or, I mean, that's probably yeah. Or um, uh, we get into a, a Facebook Australia situation, right? There's yeah. There's all kinds of right. possibilities because you know if you're if you're well, you and I both have have our revenues largely based on on advertising dollars. Yeah. All of a sudden, uh, you know, Google says they're not running ads on our site in Maryland. Uh oh. Me. Yeah, that would be that would be worse for us than it would right. be for for Google. Google Google can take the hit, and so maybe big. so maybe uh maybe content stops showing up in Maryland in a in a Facebook Australia kind of a way, which we'll talk about in a little while. There, yeah, there's so many it, it, weird it, 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 side effects. It's, it's kind of a disaster, this. but also I think when you think about the principle of it, like I'm thinking about this, I think worse about this now than I did last week. Uh, I guess because I've. I'm seeing us a little bit different light. And you've had, just, a, so, you've had a week like, to let it bounce around the back of your head. Yeah. Because I'm in a different place today yeah. than I was a week ago. I mean, like, I, I get what that, that like, you know, look, there's a company that's making a lot of money off the citizens in that state. And, hey, we want to we want them to contribute. But the problem is the way that this is being applied is very strange. It's also, in effect, ooh, if I talk about illegal, in a way, it's taxing speech, isn't it? Aren't we taxing speech? We're not taxing a transaction. We're taxing speech because an ad is speech. Uh, so, 
It's taxing a transaction based on the percentage of showings in the, the percentage of the transaction that applies to the state. I bet that's the way they argue it. Just a guess. Yeah, I guess. But it's commercial speech, right? So, you know, and if you if this were applicable, then shouldn't it also apply to other media? So if I sell a newspaper and a whole bunch of people like the New York Times is sold all over the world. Mm -hmm. So let's say 10,000 people buy um, New York Times, New York Times in Maryland. Does that mean that the New York Times company now has to cut a check to the state of Maryland for all right. of the print ads right. that, that they sold? Yeah. It, yeah. There, there's, there's definitely a lot of problems. And, you know, based, based on this conversation, you know, illegal may apply here. The, the fact that it's not, uh, the, the law doesn't apply uh, universally uh, could be argued as, as discrimination. There's, there's play. This is going to be fascinating to follow. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so we'll have to see I think if they're trying to go after that ad revenue, what they should, what, what should happen, and I'm not saying this is a good idea, but the fair thing would be to put a, some kind of federal transaction tax on the buying of the ad, like a sales tax, if there's not already, and, and then have the sales tax be distributed, you know, be distributed out by the federal government to the states um but not based on viewership because viewership is like that's that's internal data that mm -hmm. that that's also somewhat proprietary sales data too <laughs> like i don't know that i don't know they want to be sharing that with the government well it's interesting you bring that up because we're going to talk about that in a little bit <laughs> in our extra life segment right. um about the government possibly compelling a company to give up proprietary sales information um so great tie-in. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of problems here. Um, this case is not going to be short. I guarantee a federal injunction gets uh, a, a stay uh, gets gets put in place here um, until until this case goes through probably several layers. And I, I think we said it last week, this likely makes it to the Supreme Court. Um, I would not be surprised because mm -hmm. there's very there, there's only two other courts that could hear this, <laughs> um, so it doesn't take long. It's not like you know uh, a criminal case that has layers and layers and layers of courts before the Supreme Court. There's only I think two layers before that. There's a federal court and a federal appellate court, and then you've got your Supreme Court. So this wouldn't take long to get to them, and I guarantee they'd hear it. This is going to be this is going to be a long process, and uh. I think we will follow it. Maybe not in detail uh, every step of the way, but we will definitely follow it uh, for as long as it goes on. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it is 
available for almost all of your devices, and you can get a special price uh, right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right. So uh, 2020 is becoming a, 2021 is becoming a, a bit of a, a hands-on year for for Pilch Point episodes, because yeah. I think you've got something else to show us tonight. Yes, I do. So uh, this notebook here is the ThinkPad X1 Nano. This is one of the newer ThinkPads around. It's been out for for a few weeks now. It um, so what? Uh, so this is a thirteen. This is a super duper light and thin notebook here. Uh, we've before talked about the X1 Carbon, which is 14 inches and weighs 2.5 pounds. This is a 13-inch notebook that weighs 1.99 pounds. So really wow. two pounds, but they want to say 1.99 because that sounds better. Um, it uh, On the inside here, we have um, all the amenities that you expect from a ThinkPad. The keyboard has the fantastic ThinkPad feel that that a lot of people, including me, love. It has the track point for navigation and a touchpad for those who don't like the nub. Shame on you. you should all like the nub. Um, <laughs> the 13 the 13-inch screen is a very interesting resolution. Uh, this is a 16 by 10 screen, and it is 2160 by 1350. So mm. it is an, an interesting aspect ratio. Indeed. Um, and it is, uh, so you're getting a lot of screen real estate and it is extremely bright. It is, it is, um, it is it is uh, marketed as 450 nits, and normally, when something says it's some some amount of nits, it's a lot less when we average it out from all the corners. But this one came up on our test of 430 nits, so that's pretty pretty good. Um, super bright, pretty colorful, not the most colorful. Uh, it it hits 101 percent of the sRGB color gamut, which is pretty decent, and. Uh, but just 71% of the wider DCI P3 color gamut, so decent. Um, it comes with a 11th generation Intel processor, uh, either a Core i5 or a Core i7 with uh, four cores and eight threads. It has eight or 16 gigabytes of memory and forget about upgrading it, so definitely get it with 16. Uh, comes with an SSD up to well, it's either 256 up to, I think you can get it with two terabytes, but uh, generally one terabyte to is probably the most you would want to get uh, because it gets more expensive. It, uh, it gets, despite its thinness, it's 0.55 inches. It is, it gets 12 hours of battery life. So really good battery life really fantastic keyboard and the keyboard just feels great and just really thin and light and a very bright sharp display with lots of room for work 
Their performance is good. Obviously not a graphic, not great for gaming because it uses Intel uh, Iris XE integrated graphics. So it's not going to get, you know, you don't want to do a lot of gaming on it. The one really big disadvantage of this is the ports. So this, because it's so thin, it only has, this is all it's got. Let me see if I can get that in front of the camera. All it's got are two US, two Thunderbolt 4 ports and your headphone and your one lonely headphone jack. So, and one of these ports you're gonna use for charging, although you could charge and dock over the same port. So if you were out and about and somebody handed you a USB stick with some data on it, you would need you would need a dongle. But um, other than that, uh, this has a really nice soft touch finish on it. Feels really premium, even on the bottom here. Uh, reminds me a lot of my X1 Carbon, which I own one and have used happily for a couple of years. Uh, but it's thinner, lighter, and it's thinner and it's lighter by a lot. And I actually like the smaller display uh, because it allows me, uh, it balances better on my lap and it just feels like, Hey, you know, when I'm typing on this, it's like, wow, this is just like, it's so small. And so it's so, you know, compact. I also, the fact that it uses the 1610 aspect ratio means it's taller and less, less wide, which is just, but there's plenty of room on the keyboard anyway. So it's just really great for, you know, you could easily stuff it in a bag. You can easily, you know, easily balance it on your lap, easily kind of tuck it, you know, put it somewhere without, um, you know, without, without it taking up too much space. I mean, that would be a concern for me when I nowadays I'm typing on the couch and then my daughter's trying to climb all over me and my son's in my face and it's like, oh, they're going to knock my laptop over. They keep knocking into me. Well, smaller one, it's a little bit easier to, to balance and, and keep out of the way. And, uh, you know, this is just really incredibly light. The keyboard feels fantastic and it just has a great like productivity feel to it. I think in ways even better than, than the 14 inch one that I own. Uh, the one downer that would that would hold me back from getting it is that it is the port situation. Uh, also, it's you know at the moment because it's a fairly new product doesn't come cheap. So the starting price is thirteen fifty or so, and uh, for that you get it with eight gigs of RAM, a two fifty six gig SSD, and a Core i five. So I would at least get the one with sixteen gigs of RAM and a five twelve SSD. And that's 1727. And the one that I have in my hand here has a Core i7 processor instead of a Core i5. So that brings it to 1847. Uh, not, uh, you know, not, not, not cheap. Although with sales and things like that, I wouldn't be surprised to see something with this configuration selling for under $1,500 at some point. Um, so it's, um, you know, really, really great productivity system nice and and did you say it's it's already available yes yes it's already out uh it's been out for for a few weeks 
you can get it at lenovo.com uh, where you can custom configure you can custom configure it uh, the main options that you have are just really uh, how much what uh, you know what processor you have which is really just a core i5 or a or a core i7 uh, a how how big how much ram which is 8 or 16 uh, what size ssd which is up to a terabyte and 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 that's it they all come with the same screen oh the highest end model comes with a slightly faster processor uh and with a anti-smudge touch oh and with a touch screen if you pay for the 2200 model you can get a touch screen i personally okay. wouldn't bother getting a touch screen on a laptop like this okay so so a bit of a range in price but like you said it's still pretty new so it's uh it's naturally going to be a little little higher in price yep yep uh but it's uh you know for those who really like to work on on the go and on the go might even be on your couch <laughs> uh, it uh it's this is really really convenient and light and i just love the size of it uh like i've been using a 14 inch and this 13 inch is just it just it, it fits it fits better it's really nice and compact so you know and i have to say that my lifestyle my laptop lifestyle has changed over the last year it's probably a lot of people's has mm -hmm. so i used to use my laptop for everything including when i was sitting at my desk and i would take it back and forth with me to the office and everything like that now that you know i'm home because of working from home all, all the time i've invested in getting a, a desktop in my home office i don't use my laptop uh, at all in here because powering four monitors, I get a lot better performance out of, out of a desktop. Sure. But uh, my laptop, I still have a lot of use for it because there are those times when I've got to go in the living room uh, and watch the kids because yeah. I don't want them climbing all over in here and, or whatever. And I, and I grab my laptop for that and having a compact laptop with, with long battery life is convenient even within the home. So, so I definitely, we will have a dedicated review, detailed review up of this, uh, this week on tomshardware.com, but I figured I would show it to everybody beforehand and say, this is actually a, a really good laptop and, and I really like it. I'm, I'm becoming a fan of that, that soft touch. Um, obviously, you know, longtime viewers of the show before this got pushed off to the side and out of frame with the, the studio redesign know that, you know, I've got, I've got my surface book and it is anything but soft touch. It is very cold and kind of weird uh, sometimes. And uh, one of my, one of my uh, laptops up in the, up in the office has that soft touch to it. And I've really grown to like it. I didn't think I was yeah, going to. Yeah. That's, that's a, you know, that's actually a really key feature because it's not just like a luxury that you're touching it and it's got a soft touch. The deck, the palm rest is soft touch. So this, this area oh. here where you're resting your wrists is, is, I mean, it's not as soft as it could be, but it's pretty soft. So that's good because 
when you're, you know, when you're typing all day uh, on it, your wrists are digging in. And so having like hot metal or hard, you know, if it gets warm, hard, hot metal under your wrist, or, or especially I hate laptops that have a sharp, a sharp front lip that start cutting, like digging into you. Yeah. That stuff really matters. Like, it, I mean, for some folks, maybe they don't care, but for me, it matters a lot. I mean, here at my desk with my external keyboard, every day, all day, it's, you know, gel rest. So when I pick up a laptop, I want to come as close to having that soft, you know, cushion under my wrist as I possibly can. And the best I can do, because you can't really use a gel rest with a laptop, sure. is, is to have soft touch. Um, I think, I think, uh, I think after I got this, I, I, uh, showed at CES one time where I had, I had creases right in my, right in my wrist because, you know, this has the ultimate and sharp front edges for anybody who's ever held one. Um, they are super sharp and over time they actually chip a little bit and get, <laughs> terrible it's so like it's like a serrated knife so i'm you know i'm i'm always looking for for something that has has that that feature to it and it's it's so weird because you know even just a couple of years ago it wasn't really you know like a conscious thing in my mind and today it's so important yeah and and that's a premium material that that's one of the reasons why you're paying so much for this is that you're getting that that really premium material that it's made out of, which is like uh, magne. I think it's made out of, I'm pretty sure it's made out of magnesium alloy, mm -hmm. uh, but it's really the soft touch paint that gives it that feel. So because it's so light in your lap, because it's so soft, it's just like, oh, this is so pleasant to, to like, to have on my lap and to use on your lap. Uh, so, and I can really see like, if I was at a, I mean, in a pre-COVID, hopefully post-COVID world, if you were in a crowded place, like I've been at press conferences where I had people like jammed mm -hmm. up against me, like having something that doesn't really hang off your lap much, that you've got a lot of yeah. like free space is uh, is really nice. Yeah, for sure. Well, I look forward to, uh, to reading the review on this. Obviously already it's sounding like it's going to be a, a pretty positive review. Uh, but I always enjoy, enjoy the details. You said that'll be this week. Yep. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to it. And as always, I look forward to what you bring next time. Uh oh, I don't remember how to use my computer anymore. <laughs> there we go. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Get all the accessories you need to up your game on your PC, console, or mobile device. Uh, from Razer, whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we use here in the studio, a webcam and light for your Twitch stream, or an entire gaming setup, 
You can find it all at Razor by going to f5live.tv slash Razor. Definitely still getting used to the changes that I've made to myself. Anyway, uh, so we've talked a lot about the Epic versus Apple uh, battle showdown. It keeps expanding. It keeps getting weirder. Uh, this week it took two turns in very different directions. The first is um, that Epic has officially filed its suit in the European Union, which means that uh, the US, the UK, Australia, and the EU are all uh, independently involved with versions of this suit. Um, the, the details of it haven't really changed. The wording changes based on where it is and uh, the aspect of the case that they think that the region is most likely to respond to in the EU. Um, there's a lot more talk about Monopoly because, uh, not the game, <laughs> because uh, um, the EU responds very strongly to uh, monopolistic uh, behavior. So it makes sense that they would, uh, they would do that here. Um, but in general, the, the, the argument is the same. Apple has every right to, to control what is in its app store, but it does not have the right to control what users can do with a the device they've purchased. Uh, so uh, that, that will be moving forward in parallel with the three other versions. But the real interesting thing that happened this week was the revelation that Apple has, and I, I said earlier that we would get to this, Apple has subpoenaed a bunch of information from Valve, who's not involved in this case. Um, like, a ton of information. Now, a couple things to, to keep in mind here. Valve, not involved in the case. Uh, Valve, private company, not public company. Um, and so they have requested, and by request, I mean demanded, um that Valve identify from 2015 to the present every version and all digital content or items for each of the games of these games, which we'll get to in a second, on Steam, then provide exhaustive information about all of them. And that's, that's a quote from the actual demand including uh, uh, they, they want things uh, like uh, sales dates, prices, price changes, um, gross revenue uh, for each, each game, which again, I'll get to in a second, and each version of the game they want. They want gross revenue broken down by update for each update of each game. Um, and all of Valve's revenue related to these games. Now, what games? 436 uh, games that are available on both the Epic Games Store and Steam. Um, interestingly, Apple's argument uh, for wanting this data has been around... Um, the other platforms on which Fortnite appears, of which Steam is not. So it's all very interesting. Uh, Valve 
Valve responded by saying, we've put some information together here, um, but a lot of this we don't track because as a private company, um, it's never had value to us. So if you wanted to ask Samsung, who does have Fortnite in their store, this information, you could, and they probably have it. But we don't because we don't care. It doesn't provide us any value, so we've never had it. Um, and Apple said, uh, th thanks for the uh, the document that you did give us, uh, except they're all redacted to the point where there's no information available. So obviously Valve is pissed off to have been dragged into this. That's what I'm getting here. Um, why? What gives Apple the right to demand information, private information from a company that they're not suing? Like that. I mean, my understanding, and I'm not a lawyer, and I don't play one on TV, is that <laughs> the is that anyone can issue a subpoena to anyone for anything, but whether you have to comply with the subpoena is another story. Right. And and unless unless compelled by a court. Um, which has not happened. Right. So there has been no court demand here. Uh, Valve said, you know, here's some information. Uh, these are the reports that we do track. Um, we're going to remove stuff that's not related to what you asked about, which is why they're so heavily redacted. But um, you're on your own for this other stuff because I mean, it's not information we care about. So we've never tracked that data, which makes sense to me. I don't necessarily care about every, you know, hundredth of a, you know, third or fourth position of a version number of a, of a game and whether or not, unless it's my game, if it's my game, I might I mean, be interested, but it seems like proprietary information though. Absolutely I mean, like, let's say they, let's say they, let's take this argument. I mean, it's funny to me that valve's argument is we don't need it. And that could be true, but, their first argument should be why do why we don't owe it to you. Right. And, and they're, I mean, maybe they're trying to be nice to Apple or something, but then it wouldn't have made the news, I guess. Right. I mean, it's not their job to make Apple to help Apple make a case against, against Epic. Right. Unless, right? unless they see, unless they see a chance here to harm Epic, but that doesn't seem like yeah, I mean, it is. That might be because they don't seem to be, going out of their way to comply. They're like, yeah, all right, so those games, we think these numbers apply to those games. Uh, you're on your own from but, here. But just FYI, I mean, as a journalist, there's lots of information like this that would be cool for me to report. For me to report right? sure. I would love to go and ask any company that I want for all kinds of revenue and sales sure. numbers, right? It would be wonderful. I would probably get you know some great scoops if I could just go to companies and get really detailed information right that is not is not out there right oh hey intel could you tell me how much of each cpu you sold sure i don't think that's in any of the public documents no the best you they can do is they, is use uh what is it, idc for for reports right. from retailers there are analysts and even there that. are analysts who <laughs> there are analysts who get some of this information and some of it I can get from them. Others people pay a lot of money for, right. like, you know, is behind paywalls because people pay a lot of money for. Mm -hmm. So what 
I wouldn't get a redacted thing. They just would tell me no, or right. I wouldn't respond right. if I sent to some companies this kind of request. So your email address would go on a blacklist. Really, yeah, I mean, I can't. You can't just go around demanding people's internal stuff. That's that's crazy. They have no especially, obligation, especially to help, to help if, Apple. Especially if you take into consideration that on Max, they're competitors. <laughs> Apple and Epic, or right. Apple and and Steam are competitors on the Mac because they both offer a game store. So they right. they literally so, have no reason to, to help out. Yeah, there's no, and and it would and if they were friendly, if this were friendly, it wouldn't have been a subpoena, right? So, right. so maybe I don't know. I don't know if it's if it would have been admissible if it wasn't subpoenaed. In fairness, I don't. Oh, okay. But Weird. even so, like, it's not... Weird court stuff. I understand they're, they're, they would love to have this data. Some They would love to be able to dig through this data to make some kind of case mm -hmm. about how, I don't know, maybe they're adding value by, by putting someone in their store and therefore they're entitled to their 30%, uh, which is, even if that were the case, that doesn't, that doesn't answer the question of why you don't allow other other software to be out from outside of your store to be in, installed right. on your phones. So like there's, there's really nothing like anything they put from valve, I think would be kind of beside the point anyway. What, what, Espe what would they get from the sales data that they could use as an argument? Especially when the argument that they seem to be trying to make is around other locations where Fortnite is available since the case has initially centered around Fortnite. Apple's argument has been around the the market viability of other locations where Fortnite is available, and Steam's not one of those places. <laughs> Go call Samsung, right? Because it's it, I think it's still in the Samsung uh, marketplace, whereas it's not in in Google. So, I think. But so here's what I don't understand: <laughs> What would they do with that? If they got the information from Samsung of how many people downloaded Fortnite from Samsung, what would they do with it? I have no idea. It's, I I really think at this point that Apple is grasping that from from things like this, and this is not the first weird thing that I've heard on this case, I'm starting to feel like that Apple's panicking a little bit and grasping for any argument they possibly can because... I don't think they have, I don't think they have a leg to stand on legally here. And I think they know it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the question for Apple is whether, whether company, whether the FTC in the U S will actually enforce antitrust law because there's not, um, there's not been very aggressive enforcement of it. Right. In a long time. And look what happened to Microsoft after after years and years about the Internet Explorer, there was a, a a very mild slap on the wrist, and then I think it did have to be debundled in Europe. So in Europe, there mm -hmm. there's more likely to be some consequences for Apple. But yeah, and that's why but, that's why uh, tonight started the way that it did with them them filing in in the EU because uh, I think they're hoping they can get a bit of a snowball rolling because Europe moves quick on antitrust stuff and they move 
uh, uh, harshly. So if they can get a ball rolling there, maybe they're hoping to see, you know, Australia follow suit, who can also be pretty quick and, and harsh as, mm. as we've talked about on weird topics in the past. So, uh, they're definitely taking a global approach to this, and Apple seems to truly be grasping for an argument to their to their case because you know we we've talked you know how, how does how does Microsoft and uh, Sony have have an argument to uh, to preventing certain activities on Xbox and PlayStation? Well, you can do those things, but you may lose access to uh, Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. You can do whatever you want to it. There might be consequences outside, right? You may not be able to interact with other people with whom you can damage their experience, but on your own device, do what you want. Have fun. Good luck. Bye-bye. Um, so even there, they're like, we don't care. You want, you want to open it up and lick your hard drive? We don't care. It doesn't doesn't bother us at all. You do what you want to do. But Apple, you know, they've got their their T1 chips in their laptops that if you open your laptop yourself now, uh you have to you still have to run it through their their uh software to be able to get it to boot again. I mean, there's there's so much going on here and I think I think this is going to be the first of of many issues that they can't justify. So we'll see. Like we said earlier, this is just the beginning on this um, and it keeps getting more interesting and there's no way we don't keep following this. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, making fun of uh, Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. And to find out about all of the full-length features, the short films, the TV episodes, uh, and the live events that are coming up. You can get all of that by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. All right. Because tonight is all about follow-ups. Uh, let's talk about Comcast and their data caps. Uh, we talked about this last year. Um, we had a report that showed that uh, the during lockdown, the number of people who were considered power users had um, just right in the range of doubled the number of people who, which is somebody who uses more than a terabyte of bandwidth uh, per month, which I can tell you just based on, based on my data speeds for this show, (laughs) uh, just doing this show would put us pretty close. Um, But that has almost doubled the superpower users. I think is what they were called had nearly tripled. Uh, which is uh, users that use more than two terabytes of data. And in res- seemingly almost in response to this report that we talked about, Comcast announced that they would be rolling out their data caps to the rest of their customers. Uh, previously, um, it had been only applied to certain states, 
and they had announced that they would be rolling it out to all states uh, in which they operate. Then the backlash came, and they said, we're going to push it off a little bit. We're going to give people a couple of months to adjust and prepare and, and determine where they fall. Okay. And uh, that initial pushback expires in March. Uh, the new data caps were supposed to go into place in, uh, in March, basically on everybody's next bill, because it is the 21st. Most people are going to get their next bill uh, in the next month. So uh, they would be uh, under those data caps. Well, once again, based on pressure and not because they wanted to, uh, Comcast has uh, announced that they are moving that date back again to when? At least 2022. Um, what does that mean? Uh, it could be January 1st. It could be December 31st. We've got no idea. It could be 2080. At least 2022 does not give us any information, which of course is going to put people on edge knowing that at some point this is coming when? Shh, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, talk about bad optics, right? <laughs> we're, we're in the middle of lockdown. Everybody's data usage is going up. You and I did math on the show a couple of months ago that showed in a family of four, if everybody does their own solo and only does their own solo three hours of HD video per day, you've hit your data cap. That does not include conference calls. That does not include video games. That does not include uh, virtual school. None of that. Just three hours of HD video per person per day, and you hit that data cap. So, so this is totally bad optics, and uh, I think it caught up with them because they did not, the wording of this announcement was not, you know, we've seen the error of our ways. It was, it seemed annoyed. <laughs> Even in a public release like this, they seemed annoyed. Okay, so I was just, just thinking about this. So this doesn't come from Zoom. This comes from a site. I was just Googling this, so I can't verify the, the, this, but there's a site called reviews.org, never mm. heard of it before, that has a page which breaks down uh, Zoom data usage mm. per hour. And it claims that for a group call, one-to-one -one calls are less, but for a group call, it at 1080p, it will be 2.4 gigabytes per hour. At a 720p, it would be 1.35 gigabytes per hour. But let's assume people are, you know, so this is, so let's say that this is my son's class. He actually, I think they actually use WebEx, but a lot of places use Zoom. That's so, that's double, or, and if it, that's and, double the bandwidth that we use for this show, just putting that into perspective. So maybe that's, now this is for a group call. Yeah. yeah. So may, maybe this is, for a one-to-one, -one, it claims 1 1.6 per hour. Uh, now, this Wait. is both up and down, right? Okay. So, so okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm only showing up. Never mind. Keep going. I'm not... Right. Your, yeah, it claims your incoming 50, doesn't count into this. 50% of up. 50% is up and 50% is down, according to this. So, I don't know if that's accurate, if that's really accurate. But according to this estimate... It's 1.2 gigabytes an hour down, 1.2 gigabytes an hour up. 
So, so that's a class, right? That's, that's my son being in school. Sure. So to, to, to put this in some perspective, right? He's in school every day. He does virtual school every day from about eight 30 to, to three and he gets an hour for lunch. So, so that's five and a half hours a day. So, right. So if we multiply 5.5 hours, how many school days do you think? Let's assume there's no holidays uh, in the 22. month. That would be 22 school days, right? Yeah. Uh, so 5.5 times 22 is 121 hours times 2.4 gigabytes. That is 290.4 gigabytes for one child to go to school for a month. Yeah. That is uh, that is a quarter of almost a the third. Data oh, uh yeah, so it's 1. 1.2. It's 1.2. Yeah, yeah. They changed it from 1.0 to right. 1.2. Right. So so that's one child. Mhm. Right? Uh what if you have two or three children? Right. Like it's it's this is something that children like need to go to school and people need to go to work mm -hmm. and they are paying for it by the way. Right. Like some would argue that that internet is like, is almost like a human right. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to school and you need it to go to school, like school, it's even more so if you don't go to school, if you don't go to every, every child, at least in the United States, has not only the right to go to school, but the obligation to go to school. Like if you don't go, you're a truant, mm -hmm. right? And you and your your parents get hauled into uh, get investigated, and you could be taken away. Yeah. And and that's happened, right? Mm -hmm. That's happened to kids who are not able to log onto the internet for virtual school, right? So and we've seen, yeah, we've seen kids that have to avoid it have gone and and sat outside of a Taco Bell to use their Wi-Fi, right? So. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. And then you have people who they're going to need the internet to make a living, mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of jobs are not going to like school, hopefully will come back to uh, being in person for everyone. Uh, we'll be safe enough for that in, you know, in a while, but right. the, but work, some of the jobs that have gone to work from home will never go back to being We'll never go back to being in-person jobs. Uh, so my my main client has given up their office. So this is a necessity, like water, and you know. Now, granted, you pay for your water, you pay for your electric. Those are necessities, not luxuries. Too, you pay for your heat. That's a necessity. You can't live without it. Uh, so, you know, I mean it's all kind of part of modern living that people pay for their necessities, but this is, this is something people need and they're gouging it and it's, and it's wrong. And other companies don't do this, which proves that they don't need to do it. Uh, it's, it's amazing what's happened with, with uh, the cost of communication Again, this is something I would love to know what it actually costs someone like a Comcast or a Verizon or whatever to provide internet to someone. Like, does it actually cost them more if I use more? 
or is it just kind of iteratively people are using more they're going to end up they're going to end up using more of their resources in general if uh as trends go go up as more but you know what they got to prepare for that and if that means that it's harder for them to run their business and they got then then raise everybody's prices by a few dollars nobody likes that but you know well, i mean they do i can in, in fairness comcast did announce as part of this that they did have uh new plans that were going into place uh that would that would have either higher or or no caps on them for those power users. So, but we're seeing those numbers ticking up, right? Uh, when we talked about it, we were at nine and a half percent. I think was that I think was that report, yeah. and that was yeah four months ago. It was it was well before well before the holidays. So the other thing that is hasn't gotten better. And by the way, it just, I have to. I have been doing my math totally wrong on our show. Um, we blow those numbers away. <laughs> All right, we're do, we're doing we're doing fifty gig an hour. This is also, by the way, this is also terrible for, like, it's terrible for commerce. It's terrible for mm -hmm. education. It's terrible for everything. Like, forget yeah. forget even for a second how many people blow past the cap. Right. Let's say, let's say it's only only ten percent that right. blow past the cap. Still, you have think about the I don't know what you want to call it, cap anxiety that people mm -hmm. must have. Oh, I'm worried about blowing past my cap. I guess I won't. I guess I won't sign up for Netflix. Right. I guess I won't watch as much. And we all I guess remember I won't that. Write this movie. We all remember that from from the early days of, of smartphones. Um, you know, the, right. I, there's kind of caps and kind of not now the, they're based on speed, not cutting you off entirely or charging you ridiculously. And the numbers are, are high, but I mean, I, I remember having customers cause I was in, I was in wireless sales at that time. I remember customers who weren't using big portions of their phones because they were worried about the caps. Um, and right. if you have you to know, think about it, then it's a problem. Exactly. If you should, it's, it's not even like, Oh, do you actually hit the cap? It's like, Oh, if I have to think about it, it's a problem. Right. Right. Yep. It's the, it's unpredictability of the bill. So if I have to think about it, then I'm not going to do it. I mean, yeah. the funny thing is what we've learned over time is that as each new form of communication comes out, we realized that we were being gulped on the old one because it becomes cheaper free, yeah. right? So so it's funny to me, even recounting to my son that we used to have to worry about long distance phone calls, right? <laughs> yes. Now, all of the drama that I went through earlier in my life about the cost of long distance phone calls, you when to call people after a certain hour of <laughs> night, what, which long distance carrier did you want? Was it Sprint? or MCI or AT&T, you know, which one gave you the best deal, right? Uh, and and even within even within your local area, you have to think yeah. about, well, is this person in my exchange or are they long distance or regional? All that stuff that you all went through. And mm -hmm. then when smart when cell phones come out, 
all all of a sudden it was like oh yeah by the way you can call anywhere and it's the same price right right so in other words we didn't care right we, this wasn't this actually didn't cost us that much because now now even if i had a cell phone that had limited minutes which which i think would have to be like a burner phone at this point because every plan yeah. even every plan has unlimited even the plans you, that probably still have limited data have unlimited calling because no, the calling is now free because nobody cares. Do you remember paying 10 cents a text message? Yeah, <laughs> right. So then the text messages, and now you get, now you get these, you still get whenever I sign up for something that sends me SMS messages, I get a little disclaimer like, we're just warning you that you're going to pay for these alerts. And, uh, yeah. You know, you may be charged by your phone company. Charges like, and fees may does apply. That anymore. It's like, yeah, I yeah, understand. Nobody does that anymore. If you're sending this to track phone, I get it. But <laughs> right. So, but it used to be a big deal. Right. This this is this is bogus. It it they don't need to do this, and the fact that their competitors aren't doing it is 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 proof. Yes, that they don't need to do this. Right, exactly. It, this is this is this is a gouge, and the and the real problem here is that there's no there's not enough competition right. to to make them stop gouging. There's not enough broadband competition. Although, uh, if uh, Elon Musk has his way, there will be. <laughs> well, <laughs> and and in the absence of. In the absence of competition like this, when you have a monopoly, then you may have to be treated as a public utility yeah. and regulated accordingly. Like the electric, well, here here in New York anyway, the electric company is a public utility. They cannot raise rates or do things without approval of, uh, approval of the government. They mm -hmm. can't just like decide whatever they want to do. Um, unlike some, some apparent electric companies in Texas, which build people $15,000 for like a week of electricity. Yeah. Uh, but uh, without, without warning them, but the, the, or some, they were warned, but they had no other alternative. Right. <laughs> so what are you going to do? The, 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 the situation is that this is, this is, this is terrible. The yes. optics are bad, but the practice is bad. And we need to start thinking about this the way that we think of other public utilities, unless there's significant competition for logistics reasons, there's no comp. There's really not, I don't know about, maybe there's some places where there's competition, but most places there's no competition for your electricity. You have to, right. you have to use the local electric company. There's, there's, there's very little competition for your, for your heating. Maybe you have oil and gas or something. Uh, but so, there's no competition for your water right those have to be regulated because otherwise they'd have they could just do whatever they want right because they've got have no alternative because they have all of the leverage at least like, they, like where our studio is now right and it, it's such a change because we used to talk about uh you know where the old studio was uh i i used to say all the time i only had one choice and now I have so many choices, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and I now understand why why the service where I was worked because it was only in our property that we were limited. Here I have 
at least four choices on uh, on service providers, and that's that doesn't include uh, HughesNet or or Starlink or whatever it's called. Um, I've got four hardwire choices here, uh, so everybody is legitimately competing. Prices are going down. <laughs> When I went right at exactly home, when I went to cancel my home uh, cable cable TV cable, uh, they're like, hey 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 hey, how about? And they offered me this thing I had never heard about. How about for ten dollars we'll give you any ten channels plus your locals, your choice. Uh, yes, please. <sighs> I have to. I have to. I have to call and do that. Do that with. Do that with mine. I just wish you didn't have to play these games. I know. Where, where you have to threaten to threaten to leave to get to get decent prices. Yeah, but because it is a hassle but to change back and forth. But that's the thing. You know, we've talked about a lot. That's the thing that that not everybody has. It's a real hassle here because all the cables are cut in the in the property. Uh, they had to run a new one when when we moved in. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I'm fortunate. Most people aren't aren't as fortunate as I am to have this many choices in, in providers. A lot of people, especially if you're in a, in a condo or an apartment, you've only got the choice of the company that has, uh, that has signed a contract with the, the building owners. Yep. That's when I lived in an apartment. Uh, yeah. We couldn't, we only had one choice. Yeah, me too. So, you know, the, the this problem is, is pervasive. It's a problem. Comcast I mean, Comcast is proving why they're always in the top three most hated brands in the country uh, with with stuff like this. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I I'm I'm with you. I think you know when when this show first got started, we had a whole a whole thing about Congress letting actual net neutrality, not the thing that we started calling net neutrality a couple of years ago when they let that lapse, because that happened about six months after we started the show in 2007. Um, we were pissed. Uh, because this was the inevitable end. <laughs> uh, and and right. here we are. So somebody, now, somebody needs to get involved. Will... Congress needs to get involved. But Now, one thing I, one thing I will say it that is very contrary to what i'd normally say net neutrality means that they don't discriminate discriminate against different traffic but the solution to this problem not that i like it is for comcast to discriminate on traffic like maybe you know if they maybe what maybe they should be discriminating between luxury traffic and like necessity traffic so video you know like uh, like what T-Mobile, about... like what T-Mobile, uh, did or does, where where certain things didn't come out of your your data usage. Right, exactly. So maybe maybe like video conferencing shouldn't come out of your shouldn't come out shouldn't come out of your your cap. Yeah. Uh, maybe because people are using it for school and work. Right. Maybe. You know, maybe maybe even video streaming shouldn't come out. I mean, that would be my argument. But things that people consider to be, I don't know, power user things like torrenting. Sure. Maybe torrenting should come out of your town. Yeah, I could see that, and and I think that would be a I think that would be a middle ground that that could be found. But 
I don't know. It doesn't sound like the the kind of thing that Comcast is going to go for. They're going to keep fighting this for as long as they can until somebody kicks them. Musk might be the guy who does it. Uh, Google's got something similar in the works. Facebook's got their balloons. <laughs> Just such a funny thing to say out loud. There's, <laughs> there's, there's alternate ideas that are out there. And, you know, we talk about this during CES, right? The whole thing about Eureka Park is the the mad scientist crazy ideas yeah. and and sometimes they turn into something and those are what those those are except for starlink which is i think this is what it's called uh, that that uh, is already taking pre-orders so that's going to start putting a crunch on because uh todd cochran has already signed up so uh he's, he's super excited about that because he only has one choice and it sucks so <laughs> Um, sure. You know, when we start getting these creative ideas, we might see the crunch come down and it might start to affect things too. So fingers crossed. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping, but you get a whole lot more. You get free TV, movies, uh, documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. You get free uh, music with Amazon Prime Music. You get a free uh, free games and a free Twitch subscription every month to help support the content creator of your choice uh, with Amazon Prime Gaming, and you get a whole lot more. We've got uh, quick links to all these features, uh, plus a 30-day free trial if you are not already a member, and um, oh, uh, the ability to give it as a gift to uh, friends and family, and all of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash prime. All right. Hopefully this will be our last update on this one for a little while. Uh, we've been talking about Australia, their, their publishing law. It's going from draft to consideration. And uh, uh, Australia has called the bluff of several of the big tech companies, Google and Facebook in particular. Um, and Facebook decided this week to show that they're not bluffing. What did they do? They blocked all news sources in the country. Uh, that was local and international. Um, pages for those organizations went dark. Um, they, they showed uh, there's no content here, was the, the text on their Facebook pages. Um, because obviously, you know, let's, let's take CNN or Fox news, you know, from a U.S. perspective, obviously the things they post are a lot of links. And so they went dark. Now it didn't go entirely as planned. Um, Facebook's own page got taken down, um, on Facebook, which is pretty funny. Uh, they marked themselves as news. And so they went dark. Um, the screenshots are wonderful. Um, but the move has been received kind of in the middle. Um, one of my favorite uh, comments came from, from Ozzy Man. Uh, he does the reviews, uh, the, the comedy reviews. He's, if you've not watched him, he's wonderful. Um, he posted this week, My personal news feed has become wall-to-wall -wall gold, given satire publications are still up. <laughs> so all of a sudden his news went away, but comedy stuff from a comedian uh, made him happy. 
Um, other people uh, made comments, though, on his post and on others that their non-news pages uh, got muted within the country, which is obviously not a good thing. Uh, the prime minister came out and basically said that uh, that Facebook won't hold us hostage. Uh, it, it's our country. We'll do what we want, which is about the response I think we all expected. Um, and then uh, people, the comments, oh, there's a link to it in the article at PlugHitsLive.com. Uh, the replies on there are just as mixed as they are elsewhere. A lot of people saying... I am absolutely loving seeing just uh, content from my friends and family. I had not realized how much I hated the stuff I was seeing on Facebook until they did this. And then other people saying, um, how about everybody back off and let me see what I want to see. So it didn't quite go as they planned. <laughs> I think they were hoping for like a big, ah, from the people. And the people were like, I think I like this. You know, it's interesting, right? I mean, Facebook started out, didn't it start out as really being about personal relationships, not mm -hmm. not sharing news? And mm -hmm. I, I'm always, I think the, the, the split in Australia is sort of like the split feeling in all of ourselves when we go to log into Facebook, right? It's like, uh, do I want to be reading, you know, about all the terrible things that are going on in the world? Or I just want to like be sharing, you know, pictures of my family. Right. So the, I mean, obviously Facebook wants you to be seeing everything and, and, and there's, there's been a lot of, con of conversation about the, the media bubbles that people live in because of Facebook and how Facebook has, has led to a lot of echo you know, chambers, negative things, echo chambers that go on people reading all kinds of propaganda and dangerous and anti-science things and, and all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, the world would probably be better off if, uh, if people couldn't share news on Facebook. Yeah. Now, granted, I say this and my, <laughs> I know my, my website on hardware has a Facebook page and we share news there. So, and people do click it, and so it's it's of some some pretty decent value to us. But you know, I think as an end user of Facebook, on the other hand, would it stop me from going to Facebook? Probably not. So if there were no news there, mm -hmm. so it's now we it talked about this before. It might it get me bit, back because yeah, I have might, might I have spend... pretty much abandoned it, other than than the the business manager to be able to post. This show, for example, I I don't spend any time yeah. on the consumer side anymore. Yeah, I mean, the most actually good use of Facebook that I get, which is a fair amount, is like, oh, you know, friends and family who I don't see every day, mm -hmm. especially now. But, you know, look, here's some pictures of my kids. Mm -hmm. You may not have seen them in a long time. Now you're keeping up. Right. So I specifically have that's... an alert for you for that reason. <laughs> My daughter alert. Yes. Um, so the uh, right. So like that kind of stuff. It that was that was what Facebook started as, mm -hmm. right? And 
I always saw Google Plus as like the serious sharing, like, oh, here's here's my here's my article, Google Plus. I'm not posting any of my kid pictures to Google Plus. Right. Sad. I'm still sad Google Plus is not around. I liked Google. I was the only one. I liked Google Plus. They, but uh, obviously, as we've spoken about this before, what Australia is asking for is, as Tim Berners-Lee said, against the spirit of the internet. You shouldn't have to pay to tell people where information is. If you take the offline version of this, me telling a librarian, telling you what stack uh, to get a book in, or like I recommend this book in this stack. Uh, and then charging and then charging you a nickel. <laughs> right. That's but the librarian won't charge you a nickel. The the uh, the the book that you were going to read would charge you a nickel. Right. Uh, so well so interestingly, they wouldn't charge you a nickel. They would charge the librarian a nickel. Which is even yeah, weirder. Right. Right. Well, so, yeah, I guess so Peng- I, if Facebook's the librarian. So Penguin Publishing would charge the librarian a nickel for rec- her, for them recommending to me a book. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the other thing is, isn't like isn't that somewhat double dipping? Because it's like, I got the traffic and I get paid too. Uh-huh. Although, let's be fair very often people don't click on things very very often people don't click on things and this is this is where the problem for news media actually comes in the problem isn't that people are recommending the, the the business model nuts and bolts problem that i think the companies in australia probably the the government of australia wouldn't do this unless unless publishers there were some publishers asking for it right right and they must be asking for it because they're looking at a situation where Google and Facebook will publish excerpts of their news, mm-hmm. right? The, the picture, the, the blurb, the headline. And for some people, that's enough. That's enough. Especially as we've gone into that's a, a headline-centric world where people right. aren't interested people, in the details. There, A lot of people are interested in the headlines, which is why uh, you know, links on, on Twitter, for example, are, are enough to, to satisfy people. Yeah. So for, for some, for a lot of people, that's enough here. Here's a funny, that's enough story that just came up for me this week without sharing too much secret Tom's hardware numbers. I was looking at, um, I was looking at popular search terms that lead people to our website from Google. I got, I got a list of, of keywords, the top keyword, that people used to visit our, to find our site, to end up on our site was actually the name of the site, Tom's Hardware. It wasn't, for a lot of sites, it's not, they're not looking for that site, they're looking for information sure. and they land on the site, sure. right? I mean, and a lot of our keywords are like that, but the number one keyword was Tom's Hardware. And you could see how many times people saw you in the results and how many times people clicked. Mm-hmm. Now you would expect, I would expect that it would be close to 100% because we're the number one result and that we were exactly what people are looking for, right? <laughs> right. But there's there's a significant chunk of people, a significant percentage that Googled Tom's Hardware, found Tom's Hardware, 
but didn't click it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Now, you might also ask why they need to Google a website uh, when the website URL is, is pretty much the name of the site. And I think the reason there is because uh, some people just use their address bar. It's not, I don't think people are going to google.com and typing in. I right. think people use their address bar. They forget to type in the .com, whatever. Or they, they just type something in. And, or they put the space. Yeah. Or they put the space. Like, there were actually different variants of it that were coming up. There was yeah. with an apostrophe, without mm -hmm. an apostrophe, with a space, without a space. Um, so, you know, pe people do that. And, sure. and that's, that's fair, right? Um, but it's just kind of funny that you would get the result of what you want. Like, well, a few seconds ago when I typed this in, I really wanted to go there. But now that I'm seeing the Google results, forget it. Um, it so it totally makes me think of uh, Parks and Rec. Um, Jerry, when he goes to his email, he goes to he goes to Google and types in, please go to yahoo.com. <laughs> <laughs> well this is i don't know if this is exactly similar to what i was just talking about but this just made me think about uh the it crowd where i think somebody on the it crowd said if you google google it will cause an explosion yeah. or something yeah that's what they told uh catherine that's not her name on the show i can't yes. come up with the character's name that's the actress's name if that helps uh yes she... if you google google it will cause it will cause some kind of meltdown. And she said it at a, so, at a, at a manager's meeting. <laughs> that That is my favorite episode of that show, which is when they, they gave her the internet in a box yes. and they told her it was the actual internet. The, the uh, black project box with a blinking LED on it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I had some, my son and I were thinking we're going through our project boxes. They have one right here. Like we could make the internet right here. That's the right size too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that so, show. Yeah. But yeah, um the, and that's kind of been, this has kind of been the theme of of the show tonight. There are so many problems here. <laughs> there's there's so many issues with what's happening here and uh and what has been proposed doesn't seem to solve it. Um when the guy who created the web is going, this is a fundamental misunderstanding of what the web is. You've missed the mark. Um, so, but the, the fact my, my fun my takeaway here was a, the fact they, they blocked themselves on their own system. Oh, classic. And, uh, the, 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 the fact that, uh, the response was mixed, they expected people to be up in arms and the response was mixed with people going, I like this better. <laughs> and that is not what they were hoping for. So uh, that may have thrown more fuel on the fire. Obviously, we're going to be keeping an eye on this because, as we said a couple of weeks ago, this could set a precedent in the same way that Maryland could set a precedent for, uh, for taxing. So we will be keeping a close eye on this story. Thank you.
And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who have joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you didn't and would like to in the future, plughitslive.com slash join us or f5live.tv slash join us Friday nights at uh, 9... Friday nights? What is happening? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Let me TiVo and try that again. All right. f5live.tv slash join us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Oh my goodness, you can chat with us and give us your feedback. We uh, we love that. Uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe. Uh, what away for a second. Uh, there you'll see all of our shows. F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plughits Live presents, and more. And I cannot believe it is almost the end of February, and I'm about to say... We've still got CES content going up. Luckily, we've only got about a week worth of content left. This is what happens when you do 103 interviews and you publish three a day because that's what Apple Podcasts downloads by default. Um, so, uh, lots of stuff there, um, but it, we are almost done. But the good news is that all of it is there and you can listen or watch anywhere that you are. If there's somewhere that we're not that you would like us to be, let us know. We will try to be there too. And with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Aaron. And we will see you back next time. Ciao.